What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jake's Hot Takes Podcast. This episode was recorded using Anchor. Anchor is a web page that allows you to start your own podcast completely free and without any equipment, just your computer. It even helps you add music, graphics, a unique name, acquire listeners, and even assists you in distributing your podcast and monetization so that you can get paid. All of that for free. If you want to start making your own podcast, check out anchor.fm. This is not sponsored, by the way. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jake's Hot Takes podcast. Uh, my name is Jake Lohoffer, and uh, welcome to my podcast. So this is actually the third time I've attempted to record this, and uh, apparently my phone's already going off. And apparently that you need to use Google Chrome as your browser if you want to record longer for uh, Anchor. So if you don't have Google Chrome and you want to use Anchor, I would recommend you start with Google Chrome because on Safari, which is the default browser for Mac, you can only record for about five minutes. But on Google, or but on Chrome, you can record for up to 30 minutes. So I guess that's what we're going to have to deal with for right now. Um, I hope all of you are doing well. Uh, I'm doing pretty well myself. Um, it's pretty cold right now here in scenic Lubbock, Texas, which is where I am right now. Um, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. Uh, this is my first ever podcast. I've wanted to do something like this for a long time. And I'm very grateful for all of you out there who are listening, who are joining me on this journey. And I hope you can see through the journey with me until the very end. I have a big water bottle next to me, so you'll probably hear sounds of me drinking. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, well, like I said before, my name is Jake Lohoffer. I'm, uh, I'm 21 years old. I am from Dallas, Texas. I'm from the far north area, like around the Plano-Richardson area, if any of you know where that is. Um, I'm 21 years old. I'm going to be 22 uh, Friday, or basically a week from tomorrow, Friday, and uh, I'm very excited about my 22nd birthday because it means I'm getting closer and closer to uh, dying basically, which I'm, I'm, I'm that much closer. I mean, I'm, I'm a year further into my life and I get to, uh, I get to enjoy even less of it now. <laughs> um, that's a joke, by the way, just in case none of you are taking me seriously out there. Um, why I'm doing the podcast? Uh, well, a, a little bit more about me, I guess. I'm, a, I'm currently a senior at Texas Tech University. Uh, my major is creative media industries, which is kind of what segued me into learning about operating systems or, uh, you know, podcast interfaces, audio interfaces, stuff like that. Um, and I discovered Anchor through a peer of mine. Big shout out to uh, Ramiro, by the way. He has another podcast, and I'll, I'll see if I can find it right before I find it. And uh, I'll plug it, because if it wasn't for him, I, uh, I wouldn't be here recording it right now. And uh, I've, I, I'm excited. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to take the first step on this very, very long journey that I intend to be on for a large part of my life, or at least, you know, for a little while. Um, some of you might be wondering, well, why am I doing this podcast? You know, the last thing we need is another white boy thinking that he has something interesting to say to the world. And I agree. I think that's the last thing people need. Uh, but something that I do think people need is a little bit more joy and happiness and positivity in their lives, because especially in the world that we live in right now, um, I'm not going to go into details and I'm not going to be specific, but there are a lot of things going right now and there's causing a lot of tension um, that I think I can, that, that I want to try to help with. And that's pretty basically the reason that I'm doing this. Uh, one of them, uh, one of them anyway. 
I want to make people smile. I want to spread joy and positivity. I want to have an area effect of people that I affect. Uh, that was redundant. And I just, I, I just want to make people smile at all. And if it doesn't make you smile, if, if you know something that will make you smile and make you feel better about your day, then, uh, then go ahead. Go and do that. Um, I, uh, another reason why I'm doing this, I've, I've been inspired by a lot of other people who have made podcasts, uh, namely Cody Ko and Noel Miller, of course, the Tiny Meat Gang, two of the probably the funniest people I would say on YouTube at the time. Um, they're just so funny and they're the best guys. They are, uh, they're just funny and they have good personalities and they're nice and it's, it's all just fun and games with them and they enjoy doing what they do. And, uh, I, I've gotten a lot of inspiration from that. Um, and I hope one day I can have as big of a following as they do. That would be awesome. Um, other people that have kind of, kind of inspired me to make podcasts. I mentioned before uh, a peer of mine, Ramiro, who has his own podcast, who I'm going to see if I can find here in a second. Um, he created his using Anchor, and uh, he found kind of a, a niche for him and uh, his podcast, which is called The Institution of Growth and Balance, and it is on Spotify. I definitely recommend you go and listen to his podcast because he has a lot of really cool, interesting Interesting things to say about, you know, bettering yourself as a person, learning how to, you know, kill your old habits, becoming a better person, overcoming adversity, you know, mental and brain breaks, stuff like that. I definitely recommend it. I've listened to a lot of his episodes, especially when I study and especially if I'm feeling down. Definitely recommend his podcast. It's called The Institution of Growth and Balance. Gave you a little plug there, Ramiro. You're welcome. Um, and... The last reason I wanted to do so, do this is uh, the only way to do something is to do it. Like I said before, I've been wanting to do something like this for a very long time. Um, and I thought, well, you know, it can't be that hard. Uh, then I, I found out that, you know, oh, I got to get an audio interface. I got to get a microphone. I got to, you know, I've got to be able to edit audio. Well, with Anchor, you don't need to do anything like that. So if you're looking to make a podcast yourself, I definitely recommend Anchor. Um a few things that I intend to do with the podcast are I, I want to have guests on every other episode. So for the next episode, I'm going to try to have on maybe one of my friends, uh, maybe even a family member in the future, uh, a pertinent individual when it comes to things that I like talking about, maybe uh, a professor or someone who's a, a professional in some sort of field that we will be discussing. Um, I want to attempt to be as original as I can, and I, I welcome I welcome feedback from people who are listening. Whether you know it, you, you want to be as blunt as you can and just say, "Listen, you did this wrong and this wrong. You can fix it by doing this," or you want to be constructive and you can say, "I bet you can fix it by doing this, replacing this with this." Uh, I welcome all of that. That's how you become better. You share the material with other people. You share you know your podcast with other listeners, and they can critique you. And you can learn from there, and you can keep on moving. Uh, you know, every 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 journey starts with a with a single step. I don't know who said that, but someone said it. Uh, I want to make you guys enjoy every second of what I have to say. That's another one of the things that I intend to do with the podcast. If uh, I don't make you laugh, I at least want to make you smile. I want to maybe make you guys think about something that I say. I want to got I want to inspire you guys to do things maybe that you haven't done. Um, I just want you guys to listen and take some of the things that I have to heart. Uh, hopefully I can make you smile, I can make you laugh, which is going to be what we're talking about here in a second. Um, and I want to discuss things that me and the guests enjoy doing. So whether it's hobbies or you know, it's, you know, collecting stuff or 
maybe you're really passionate about motorcycles or maybe you're a huge person uh, that's into, you know, eating food or critiquing food, whatever it is. Uh, depending on whoever comes on here, that's what we'll be talking about. Um, and one of, the, one of the hobbies that I really love and one of the things that I probably love doing the most with my free time is uh, laughing or just laughter in general. Uh, people should do more laughing, I think, especially in a time like now. Like I said before, there are a lot and a lot of kind of, you know, not so not so happy things going on in the world. And I feel like, you know, with news and the media, they only want to capitalize on the things that are really bad for you. And overexposure to bad things like that can uh, can be really bad for you. It can really hurt your brain. It can really hurt your body. And especially right now when a whole bunch of us are not leaving our homes right now, I think it's when we need to take best care of our bodies and of our minds uh, or we'll just straight up go crazy and the world will end. Uh, laughing actually has a whole bunch of healthy benefits. It's really good for your body and your mind. Um, laughter actually relaxes your whole body, uh, like laughing very, very well, you know, a hearty laugh, like a ha ha, that kind of laugh. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. Uh, that kind of laugh relieves physical tension and stress, uh, and it can relax your muscles for like up to 45 minutes. By the way, I'm, uh, I'm reading this from an article, by the way, that I should probably plug. It's called Laughter is the Best Medicine from HealthGuide.org. I did not write down any of these facts. I did not do any of this research. I just Googled, uh, you know, benefits of laughter. Laughter boosts the, uh, boosts, boosts the immune system. Uh, laughter decreases stress hormones and increases immune cells and infection-fighting antibodies, and it improves your resistance to disease. So if you want to be totally resistant to the coronavirus and COVID-19, uh, just laugh all the time. Just watch funny cat videos or funny dog videos uh, or funny fail videos. Uh, those make me laugh a lot. Or like funny cringe moments, like funny TikToks. Those make me laugh a lot. And, and with the amount that I've been laughing, I bet it's no wonder why I haven't caught the coronavirus. Uh, laughter triggers the release of endorphins. Uh, it's That's the body's natural feel-good chemicals. I know that. I don't even have to read the article to know that. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can even temporarily relieve pain. Uh, whether that's psychological or emotional or physical, I have no idea. Laughter protects your heart. It, it can improve the function of blood vessels and increase blood flow, which can help protect you against a heart attack and other cardiovascular problems. So, if you basically, if you eat McDonald's every single day, it sounds like if you laugh probably for the same amount of time that you're eating McDonald's, you'll burn all those McDonald's calories away. And the next one even says it. Laughter burns calories. It's no replacement for going to the gym. Dang it. I was wrong. It's no replacement for going to the gym, but there's a study found apparently that laughing for 10 to 15 minutes a day can burn approximately 40 calories, which can be enough to lose three or four pounds over the course of a year. Uh, well, that's pretty awesome, but... Unfortunately, it doesn't give me an excuse to not go to the gym. Um, laughter lightens anger's heavy load. I feel like that sentence could have been written better. Uh, nothing diffuses anger and conflict faster than a shared laugh. Uh, looking at the funny side can put problems into perspective and enable you to move on from confrontations without holding on to bitterness or resentment. Uh, laughter may even help you live longer. Wow. A study in Norway found that people with a strong sense of humor outlived those who don't laugh as much. The difference was particularly notable for those battling cancer. Wow. So I'm probably going to live for a long time because I'm just the funniest person of all. And I, I don't make anybody laugh more than I make myself laugh. That's just a fact. Um, laughter can stop 
uh, laughter stops de-stressing hormones. You can't feel anxious or angry or sad when you're laughing. You know, I never thought about it that way. And you come to think of it, I've never felt anxious or angry or sad when I've been laughing. Uh, laughter helps you relax and recharge. It reduces stress and increases energy, enabling you to stay focused and accomplish more. Huh. Laughter shifts perspective, allowing you to see situations in more realistic, less threatening light. A humorous perspective creates psychological distance, which can help you avoid feeling overwhelmed and diffuse conflict. I feel like when people go to like lo- those live comedy shows, I feel like there's a lot of that going on. So if you ever go, to, so for example, Tom Segura, who's one of the funniest comedians that I've ever watched in my entire life. I bet there's a lot of people who don't really understand why he talks about uh, you know, his family and why he's purposely purposely racist towards his family because Tom Segura, even though he looks like a white person, he is, uh, he is of Mexican descent, I believe. That his last name is, um, his last name is, uh, Segura. Um, and his mother, I believe, is, uh, Hispanic or from, uh, something. But yeah, I bet there, I bet a lot of that happens whenever you go to, like, comedy shows and people tell racist jokes like that. Or not, and I just completely interpreted that in the, in the worst way possible. Uh, laughter draws you closer to others. Aw, that's really cute. Which can have a profound effect on all aspects of your mental and emotional health. Uh, well, that's really good. That's probably why it's really good to laugh together in, in really big surroundings with your friends. Uh, it can help you be more spontaneous. Uh, it can let you. It can let go of you know your defensiveness. It can release your inhibitions and your fear of holding back. Uh, and it can express your true feelings, which is uh, stuff that I love. I love laughter. Laughing. Laugh, laughing is awesome. Um, you can start laughing by smiling. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's just kind of a, a no-brainer, you know? But anyways, well, we're going to be doing some laughing today uh, because one of the things that I have for you guys today is an article. Uh, the title of this article is called Worst Life Ever, the story of, Kaz- uh, of Kazuyuki Fujita's skull. And I, I was watching a YouTube video one time, and the, the creator of this YouTube video says that this article makes him laugh so much all the time. And it's been a while since I've read it, but I can definitely remember a whole bunch of things are going on. So to give you a little bit of, uh, to give you a little bit of context and some background, I guess Kazuyuki Fujita was some sort of mixed martial arts fighter or wrestler or something. And uh, he apparently had a very thick skull. Uh, <laughs> this is on cracked.com, by the way, if you want to check it out. I will also um, uh, re- uh, remind you guys of the title, Worst Life Ever, The Story of Kazuyuki Fujita's Skull. Uh, I'm getting real flashbacks to a Dragon Ball Z here. All right, so here we go. Kazuyuki Ironhead Fujita made a fighting career out of having a thick skull. That is, that's, This is that skull's story. Like many mixed martial artists, Fujita started as a wrestler. Unlike many mixed martial artists, he never learned a second skill. It would take him 60 minutes to describe to you what he thinks a kick is. And he attempts submission holds the same way he tries on hats, confusedly pulling in random directions with no results. That's basically his skull. Um... Is uh, that basically, or that's because his skull is measurably thicker than a normal skull. If you were to take an x-ray of it, you'd fire your medical equipment for coming into work drunk. He was created by filling a cement truck with coconut sperm, and no one was more surprised than that cement truck. Since he was diagnosed with this head, he has been searching for the man who would one day destroy it. I understand many readers don't follow or relate to the sport of mixed martial arts, but those readers are in luck because I speak fluent nerd. This is the this is the author, by the way. I'm not I'm not saying any of this. Uh, 
Each section will have a nerdsplanation to help everyone enjoy the skull's terrible and ridiculous journey. Uh, all right. Uh, in between these, uh, in between these big uh, stanzas, I'm going to take a break and drink some water. Uh, I'll also take a break, kind of in between. So, just in case you guys want to pause and uh, do anything else that you guys want to do, you're more than happy to do that. You're more than welcome to do that. All right. Uh, Vegeta's Skull versus Mark Kerr, the birth of the FFS. Uh, in Vegeta's fourth personal fight, he faced 260 veiny pounds of world-class wrestling and emotional issues named Mark Kerr, using a style of kickboxing based around the tango and signaling rescue planes. Vegeta hopped around like a scarecrow in gunfire while Mark Kerr blasted him in the face with punches and knees. Mark Kerr wasn't exactly Bruce Lee himself, but when you bench press 600 pounds, just swinging your paw through the air is going to knock salmon out of every river for two miles. Uh, to put the damage Vegeta's face took into perspective, steroid users couldn't measure their dicks for an entire year when Mark Kerr hit a button on a calculator and kicked the number two, or and killed the number two, sorry. I'm sure you have seen a shortened bus filled with retarded children. Well, that was just a regular school bus before Mark Kerr waved at it. For three minutes, everything either fighter everything everything either uh, everything either fighter did resulted in a hard part of Mark Kerr getting smashed into Fujita's medically impossible head. It looked like an industrial training video on how to turn a human into soup using just one naked man. <laughs> if I was Fujita's family, I would have already been ordering a box of gorilla-sized diapers and flashcards so he could relearn all our names. But this face suicide was all part of Fujita's plan. After five minutes of savage anaerobic assault, Mark Kerr's brain and body agreed that it was time to give up. He went fatal, and Fujita punched the back of his head for ten minutes, which, in back of the head time, is fucking forever. <laughs> this surprising win led to the invention of the Fujita fight system. Oh, that's what the FFS is. That's what the FFS is. Uh, the Fujita fight system, which would serve him well throughout his career. Let's go over the basics. 1. Receive beating until opponent falls asleep. 2. Maul opponent's unconscious body. And 3. Realize that the celebration banana was a trick and that you've once again been led into a cage for safe transport. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break here. So I can take a water. Gosh. I did not mean to, uh, I don't know, I kind of don't like saying the word retarded. It just doesn't, I don't like saying that word. So in the event that um, that offends you, I will do my best to read ahead and make sure that I can censor as much of this as possible. Because if I read it word for word, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of swearing and there's going to be a lot of profanity. And in the event that you are younger than the age of 18, I do not condone you listening to anything that I'm saying right now. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next section. Fujita's skull versus Ken Shamrock. Helmet laws are for... <laughs> uh, helmet laws are for people who are not very brave. There's another word that starts with P in there that I'm just not going to say at the moment. Uh, next, Fujita fought Ken Shamrock. Throughout Ken's long MMA career, this is easily the greatest performance he has ever had. He unloaded on Fujita. Every punch and kick of every combination landed exactly on Fujita's chin. 
I swear Fujita mailed Ken Shamrock a list of every move he was going to do, and Ken got together with Jean-Claude Van Damme to plan the most destructive and beautiful ways to counter them. Jean-Claude maybe did a little consulting on Fujita's side, too, since the only move that Fujita landed in the entire fight was crotch attack. This showdown continued for six minutes. Ken Shamrock's uh, extensive martial arts training versus a mix-up in Fujita's head DNA. I guess that's a link to a video. Uh, but Shamrock was no match for FSS. Something strange happened. Ken beat this man so hard that he, no bullshit, started having heart palpitations and his corner threw in the towel. Seriously, Fujita took a beating so severe that the man doing it had a goddamned heart attack. I guess it was a strategy devised by his stand-up coach, Anna Nicole Smith. Ugh. And while doctors were treating Ken Shamrock, the only thing that was heard on Fujita was the team of archaeologists that happened to be exploring his skull's upper mantle at the time. So I'm looking at a picture of what I guess is Ken Shamrock, and he literally looks like the scariest dude ever. He looks like a Mortal Kombat character. Like he's just, he's shirtless, and it, his, his veins are like popping out of his arms. It looks like his veins could turn into other smaller arms, which in turn could punch me in the face until my face becomes pudding, basically. <sighs> All right, so this is the nerdsplanation. When creating characters in video games, you often have to make sacrifices. For example, your rogue doesn't have enough points to learn mutilate and killing spree. It's the same thing when scientists create igneous skull punching bags. If you spring for invincible head, there aren't enough points left over to put into agility. Vegeta actually has minus 65 to dodge, which means cars instinctively swerve into him, and it takes 10 minutes in a man-shaped hole in the wall to get through a doorway. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this, uh, this article every single day, um, every single time that I'm feeling sad, or if I ever have like an exam that I need to do that I know I'm going to do bad on. All right, so we're going on to another section, and this section is called uh, Fujita's Skull versus Crow Cop Fujita's uh, versus versus Crow Cop. Fujita's Skull takes a job at the female. At the, uh, okay, I'm just not gonna say that. Uh, takes a job somewhere that um, it, basically where there's females and where there are ejaculations in the same place. The female ejaculation plant. I don't know why I'm dancing around it at this point. Uh, Japan has a childlike fascination with strange matchups. If two things are stupidly different, Japan will put them in a cage and see what happens. All their fight cards have at least one match between a giant fat guy and something that looks like it should be making Christmas toys. If a man with no arms and a man with no legs started learning karate, the same light bulb would appear over and over in every head of everybody in Japan. That's right, glue them together and see if it can kill a panda. Through their own experiments, every Japanese parent knows exactly how many rhinoceros beetles you have to put in a baby's crib to make it a fair fight. And I guarantee you that when the first cheeseburger comes to life, Japan will throw it in the ring with a sumo wrestler before it ever gets a chance to lead us to our better lives in the sky. So it's no surprise that fight promoters decided to put him in the ring with Crow Cop. Take the man with the crazy hard head and put him in the ring with a guy who kicks heads crazy hard. The result might surprise you, Partially partially exploded head. In an explosion of blood and duh, Crow Cop measured Fujita's slow motion takedown attempts and threw a knee into his eyeball just as he was coming in. Fujita didn't even notice it. 
It takes so long for light to reach the center of his head that he wouldn't even know one of his eyes was gone for 11 minutes. So all he did was finish the takedown and try to drown Krokop in ocular blood. The referee had to inflate a life raft just to paddle over and stop the fight. Oh, man. Oh, this is funny. So here's the other nerd explanation. For a, for a Japanese fight promoter, Fujita's cranium is like a boss monster they're seeing for the first time. They are so compelled and excited to destroy it, but the only thing they can do is hit it with every weapon in their inventory until something works. This was their eureka moment. Holy water bounces off if it hits for zero. Bubble lead actually heals him. Oh my god, look at how much crow cop took off. Then we're moving on to, into another section, which I think is going to be the last one. Oh no, there's a whole lot more. We're definitely not going to have enough time to finish this entire one. Well, uh, maybe this will become part two. But um, let's see, where was I? Okay, I was right here. We'll just go until we'll just go until we can. Vegeta's skull versus Krokop. Again, we must destroy that which we love. After engineers designed a needle capable of it, they stitched Vegeta's skin back together and he was given a rematch against Krokop. Vegeta should win this one, right? I mean, what are the chances that something with almost 100% certainty will happen twice? <laughs> In what took him 29 seconds, Vegeta watched the 18 seconds of the first fight carefully and devised the perfect plan to defeat Krokop. Exactly the same thing. He charged in with takedowns, and Krokop countered by kneeing him in the head. But with, uh, but instead with taking him with the front of his head, he blocked him with top with the top of his head. <laughs> For crashing knee after crashing knee, Krokop's giraffe legs were screaming for Vegeta's spine to become paralyzed, and the thing was too stupid to understand. FFS doesn't work against Krokop. Instead of throwing frantic combinations, Krokop likes to take his time and throw one big kick that only gets described during a eulogy. You can't tire him out or give him a heart attack by pretending to be his soccer ball. The only thing that Vegeta's invincibility did for him in this fight was let Krokop's knees manufacture cubic zirconium against his forehead until time ran out. Cubic zirconium, isn't that what diamonds are made out of? Or like fake diamonds at least? Uh, here's the nerd explanation. Imagine for a moment that Scooter, the GoBot that turns into a Scooter, fought the Constructicons. If moments into the fight they formed Devastator and stomped on him, you'd be surprised at how simple and unsurprising it was. That's what this fight was like. No one could have predicted that every single obvious thing we expected would happen. Oh, man. This is crazy. I haven't read this in a very long time. I forgot that it was this long, and I also forgot that it was, like, this brutal. Like, this dude, Vegeta, he must have had literally, I mean, yeah, like, the, literally the thickest skull ever. I I don't understand, like, how in the world he decided that he was going to be a fighter. Well, it kind of makes sense first, but, like, why don't you just headbutt everybody? Why don't you just, like, use, you know, use what you got, man? Why don't you just use that as as your – why don't you just use that? I don't understand. Um, but uh, it looks like I'm going to read this last section, then we're going to have to stop, and then we'll just continue. Um, so this section is called Vegeta's Skull versus Fedor uh, Emelianenko, A New Hope. By this point in his career, the world now knows that Kazuyuki Vegeta has only two assets, a clumsy takedown and a force field where his brain's reflexes should be. 
So Pride Fighting Championships decided he was ready to take uh, he was ready to take on the best fighter in the world, Fedor Emelianenko. Fight promoters apparently gave up on finding someone who could beat the guy, and now they were just using him to conduct further stress tests on Fujita's head. They were sure that Fedor would be the the thing to finally crack it open and allow evil scientists to reverse engineer his remains, almost certainly to grow a more durable sex melon and unkillable robots. Uh, then Fujita did something that surprised even him. He almost won. He landed a knee-buckling counterpunch that, to this day, is the closest anyone has come to beating Fedor. In a waste of his body's natural punching bag camouflage, he was about to beat someone by hitting them. Unfortunately, Fedor found a practical solution to, his, to Fujita. Get behind him, grab his unbreakable head, and yank it off his body. The official fight records call it a rare naked, a rear naked choke, but that's like calling uh, Tiananmen Square a wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> if the ref hadn't stopped him, Fedor was going to take that head home to his spaceship and polish it. Um, nerd explanation literally just says, I think that last part was already in nerd. Jeez, man, I can't imagine. These people must be like the scariest people to ever look at. We only have a minute and a half here, so I'm just going to talk uh, basically until everything ends. Uh, so, where are we at in the story right now? Uh, Mr. Uh, Kazuyuki Fujita has a really thick skull, and he's using it to fight some of the most uh, intimidating and merciless and violent fighters that anybody has ever heard of in their entire life. Um, well, uh, apparently he's, he, he's onto something, and I think he's doing something right. Uh, by the way, if any of you aren't laughing out there, I'm very sorry, and you can end the podcast right now. But I, uh, I, I genuinely hope all of you are enjoying this because I am enjoying it so much. Um, there are a few more passages left to read. I reckon it'll take maybe 10 or 15 more minutes. So uh, if you guys want to continue listening, go ahead. If you don't want to continue listening and you don't want to hear what happens to Kazuyuki Fujita's skull at the end of our wonderful story, then I at least, I at least thank mm-hmm. you for joining me um, for, I don't know, what seems like two-thirds of the story i i can't exactly tell how long the article is but uh maybe we're maybe we're about halfway done but uh we're gonna just stop real quickly and then we're just gonna head right back into it um i can only record for about 30 minutes max on google chrome but that's way longer than i thought i would be able to do it here so i'll see you guys in just a couple seconds Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Jake's Hot Takes podcast. Uh, We're going to pick up right where we left off in reading the unfortunate story about Kazuyuki Fujita and his skull that is apparently thicker than um, very many things in this world. Thicker than, uh, I don't know, I thought of something really funny, but it probably wasn't appropriate. But anyways, we're going to continue right where we left off on a new section, and this section is titled Fujita's Skull versus Wanderlei Silva. On the wings of hope. Prokop proved that Fujita's head is living tissue over a metal endoskeleton, like a Terminator. And then Fedor proved that it will surrender if you start to sever it from its body. But Japanese fight promoters still hadn't gotten a chance to see someone just pound on it until it cracked. Will it explode when you expose its core? Is it filling? Is it filled with something that you can... Uh, apparently, is it filled with something that you can do something else with an octopus? That's when it hit them. Wanderlei Silva. That guy hates skulls. 
at the time, the country of Japan was using Wanderlei Silva to control the fighter population, and they occasionally dragged him on a chain through the ocean to hunt whales in the least humane way possible. So this guy sees a skull, he's just like, No! I hate you! You're my bane! The bane of my existence! You, the, you are the enemy of every fiber in my being, and I must crush you and turn your skull into powder. You think that's actually what he does? That You think he's that passionate about hating skulls? Uh, the fight was a massacre. Vegeta tried every both of his techniques against Wanderlei. He slowly waited to get punched and laid on top of uh, without doing anything. Neither worked, and Wanderlei eventually got to his feet and stalked Vegeta like a Japanese octopus in an all-female prison. He hit him as hard as you can hit someone many times, and every time Vegeta fell down, Silva kicked him in the head as if he was going for a 70-yard field goal. None of this did anything. Half the arena was crying since they thought they were watching one ape administer the death penalty to another, and the other half was dead from shockwaves. Silva kept punching him down, kicking him, watching him get up, and starting from the top. Someone outside the ring, or probably just a chunk of shrapnel, hit the bell, and the referee declared it a knockout. But Vegeta was already back up before the words were out of his mouth. Why did they stop it? He had Wanderlei right where he wanted him. Nerdsplanation. Science can't explain this. Wanderlei dropped a shock and awe campaign on that head and couldn't hurt it. This fight was stopped only to get everyone's car alarms to shut up, and it had nothing to do with Vegeta's safety. Vegeta was probably back to identifying simple shapes that very same night. Part of me, like, wants to feel really bad for this guy, but part of me is like, wow, like, you know, like, you go, dude. Like, yeah, you know, you got that thick skull, use that thick skull to your advantage. We're moving on to another section here. Vegeta's skull versus James Thompson. Don't call it a comeback. I was kind of never here. James Thompson is an imposing figure, so imposing that during the stare-down, Vegeta admired his abs and groin area and gave him an approving thumbs up. It was unprecedentedly inappropriate. There was a science to this flirting. FFS works a lot better if your opponent comes to you in a completely incoherent homophobic rage. And James Thompson did. Thompson manhandled him, hitting him with hundreds of unanswered punches and knees. He was going to prove he wasn't gay, even if he had to thrust every last bit of his vitamin-supplemented shirtless body against Vegeta's beast-like head. It probably smelled like a leather smoothie, but gayer than that sounds. <laughs> Nerdsplanation. After taking an eight-minute beating that mocked mankind's entire understanding of physics and medicine, Vegeta started throwing his own punches, drunken, woman-like punches. But when you James Thompson your way... Uh, but when you're James Thompson and you recently spent eight minutes leaving 550 pounds of violent meat around a ring, you'll take any excuse you can for a nap. By this point of the fight, Vegeta could have screamed boo and knocked him out, but he had to save his voice. He had a screaming date with Lou Ferrigno later. Ah, the classic Lou Ferrigno. Uh, Vegeta Skull versus Alistair Overeem, the final crusade. Alistair Overeem is a Dutch kickboxer who looks like someone at Marvel Comics drew a man genetically engineered to have sex with your girlfriend. And at the end of 2009, this giant black Thor beast hit, uh, hit Irritan Texeria with a knee that adjusted the Earth's tides. Police were already taping off Alistair's leg before Irritan dropped face first into the canvas with his eyes open. 
during the replay, you can actually hear the knee call gunshot wounds, um, you know, pansies. Japanese fight promoters saw this and had a great idea. Restraints that taste like fish. But right before that, this could be the man to finally shatter Fujita's iron head. They set up the fight for New Year's Eve. The 39-year-old wrestler with an advantageous birth defect versus a six-and-a-half-foot six-and-a-half-foot tall man of death-dealing emasculation. This wasn't just a battle between genetic perfection and someone born out of head sorcery. It was possibly Japan's last chance to experiment on this skull that had given them so much joy and baffling medical data over the years. Just short of the literal definition, the fight began with Alistair beating the shit out of Fujita. Kazuyuki uh, Fujita. Kazuyuki Fujita has been in a constant state of what you and I would call near death for 10 years, but this is the first time I've ever seen him look scared. After Overeem lands two knees, Fujita backs into the corner, then sheepishly tries sneaking past. Uh, Alistair punches him back into the corner and lands a third knee that I swear lights on fucking fire before it impacts. Here's the crazy part, though. He doesn't get back up. He stays on the ground holding his head as baffled as the rest of us. I have a theory that previous that the previous 17,000 blows to the head all gave him amnesia, and this one Looney Tunes bonk gave his head all its memories back. Japan finally got what it wanted. Only there was no candy surprise inside Fujita. There was no tiny pilot demanding to know why you humans broke into his ape ship. Just a guy with a decade's worth of fist craters and bad decisions catching up to him at all the same time. It'd be almost tragic if you could look away from the slow motion rippling of Alistair's muscles in the constant replay. In the instant replay. Uh, nerd explanation. In, in the Secret Wars, the Human Torch was being choked by Ultron, a robot completely encased in adamantium. Uh, obviously, fire doesn't do much against any metal from the cool Namium uh, family, so Torch went Nova. So he would at least look, uh, look awesome as he died. However, Ultron stopped. His shell was intact, but the Nova flames melted something important inside him. I think that's what we're dealing with here. Alistair couldn't figure out how to crack Vegeta's skull, so he simply hit it hard enough that everything in it turned to liquid. One would imagine that we're talking about a brain but remember this is the same man who fought all of these terrifying people with his face alone would a brain come up with that plan there's still so much we don't know i say we go back to drawing to the drawing board with the fujita skull experiments japan i miss them already and that's the end of the story of kazuyuki fujita's skull uh, and apparently he was just so, Apparently, if none of you have been paying attention to what's going on, this guy basically had a skull that was super thick, um, but which basically meant you could punch it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and uh, he wouldn't feel anything. Nothing would happen to him. Um, you could also be probably the person's strongest man. Um, so think of uh, the guy who plays the mountain in Game of Thrones, or Conor McGregor, or um, Floyd Mayweather. So apparently it sounds like you could combine all three of those guys and punch this guy in the head hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times and uh, nothing would happen. Uh, that sound, that's a little, that's a little difficult to put into perspective. And he, he apparently he did this for 10 years, which I did not, I did not know. Um, but uh, yeah, if you guys want to check out this article uh, again, let me scroll back up to the title. Worst Life Ever, the story of Kazuyuki Fujita's skull, and it's on Cracked.com. 
uh, I'm not sure what Cracked.com is, but uh, this article was written in 2010, so only about 10 years old. Uh, this this is hilarious. I, I feel so much better after reading this and laughing. Um, I don't even care that it's like probably maybe 40 or 50 degrees in this recording studio right now. I feel awesome. And uh, that is all the time that we have for today, guys. I really appreciate you coming to listen with me. Um, there is a there is a whole bunch of things that I plan to do in the future, and I hope all of you can stay with me and hear them out. I have a lot of a lot of fun things coming up in the future. Very, very, very much looking forward to sharing them with you guys, and I hope all of you have a wonderful rest of your day, of your evening, of your morning, whatever time that you're listening this to. Uh, and I hope all of you stay warm because it's getting cold out there. And I hope all of you laugh more. Uh, and if you don't, if you didn't laugh from that uh, article, then uh, you're a psychopath or a sociopath, and you have no feelings. And uh, I, I can't help you. And I wish you the best of luck in the world. I hope all of you have a really good rest of your day. Thank you again for listening. My name is Jake Lohoffer. This has been Jake's Hot Takes podcast. And we will see you guys. We, there's no we, it's only me. And I will see you guys in the next recording. Have a good one, everybody.